actually going away next week. I'm flying to San Diego next week. Oh, um, San Diego. No, I <laughs> 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 Listeners, the look that Josephine <laughs> just gave to Lika was... She threw me some major Was shade. one of, of major shock shade. and disgust. <laughs> What's Comic Con? Um, no, not not for Comic Con. Um, I'm going on. It's like a kind of like um, like personal development retreat. Tuned in to the conversation for her by her. This episode was recorded in the pod at White City Place. Hello and welcome to the Conversation Podcast. Thank you so much for choosing to give this a listen. We are recording here. It's a gorgeous day today, which is unusual. Um, And I'm joined by three fantastic women who are going to talk about travel and everything that comes with travel. Uh, And we've also got a very special guest. So I'm very, very excited to introduce Amy. But I'll let her tell you a little bit more about herself. Um, And I'm B, by the way. Lovely. Thank you, B. Um, I'm Amy. I'm super excited to be here today. So, so thank you for having me. I am a flight attendant and also travel lover. And yeah, I'm super excited to talk about it. And yeah, yeah. yay! Welcome, Amy. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm Zulika. You all know me. I'm the resident rock artist and gobby person. <laughs> and I'm Josephine. Awesome. <laughs> Short, sweet. Um, so I want to get started talking about this topic, travel, by, I mean, we are going to be talking about some great things. Obviously, travel is, is fantastic, and everyone likes to travel, or most people do. Um, but I thought it would be fun to start off just a little icebreaker asking you guys if you can remember what the worst holiday you've ever been on is, because it's not all roses and dolphins and whatever it is um so has there ever been dolphins i don't know where you go on holiday um so does anyone have a holiday that springs to mind as the worst holiday they've ever been on i'll jump in to this one that's all right um the worst holiday i went on was actually the worst time i went away and i went on a cruise Mm. um i don't know what possessed me because i thought why not you know, but I went on my own because I thought, you know, it's going to, you know, I was talking to the cruise agent. They're like, you know, loads of people go on their own, loads of young people go on their, on their own, all lies. Um, <laughs> I was surrounded, like, by families and, and honeymoon couples and, and, you know, people in their, like, 70s, 80s. And, you know, it was just, yeah. you're on water, you're in the middle of water. So it's not like you can just leave or oh. do your own thing. And I just ended up eating loads, put on loads of weight. And, Yeah. Just wasn't a cruise was not the best thing. (laughs) Was the cruise like stopping at places? Were you able to get off, or you fully just? We stopped. So we stopped at Jamaica and um, Cayman Islands, but it was for like an hour or two hours, you know. So and I could see the cruise ship in the distance. I was like, always like, okay, we have to head back. So. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend. Oh. Stressing me out just thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm also, sorry. I mean, I can imagine the people that go on those things, no offence to anyone who does, who is actually interesting, are majorly boring. <laughs> it was a very dull seven yeah. days. It's a real shame. I can imagine. Mm. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Zalika? Um, So, I have one worst holiday, which was basically, I, I have lupus and I was very, very ill prior to going on holiday and during the holiday um, because lots of people with lupus are actually allergic to sunlight. So I went to Cassis, which is very close to Saint-Tropez, and I was with three friends and all they wanted to do was sunbathe all the time. 
And um, yeah, I was just like really ill the whole time because I didn't realise that I was allergic to sunlight, like really just so unwell. <laughs> um, just like, you know, joints swelling up, like just feeling really sick all the time. And, yeah, it was horrific. And um, if for, for the viewers, well, sorry, for the people listening, I am like super pale. So me sunbathing is sort of a bit pointless. And um, yeah, it's just like a really not, I just wasn't well the whole time. Oh, no. That's yeah. so sad. I know. <laughs> what about you, Amy? Because I'm um, sure you've been on lots of trips to places. Yeah. You've probably got lots to choose from. <laughs> Do you know what? I struggled with that question. I was trying to think of like the worst thing, but probably it's not as bad. I got called off uh, what we call standby, and it was Christmas Eve uh, to go to Singapore. And this is like a seven to like a seven day trip, so we have like a Sydney in between. And I had nothing in my suitcase. I literally had maybe a jumper. I had odd flip flops in there. Um, I seriously thought I wouldn't get called for it because like the whole month I kept calling up and saying, "No, oh, am I going to get called? Am I not?" They're like, "No, it's the highest requested trip. You won't. Don't worry about it. You won't get called." So of course I turned up on Christmas Eve. Sat there like, "Oh yeah, we've been trying to call you all day." And I went to Singapore with like a jumper and a pair of flip flops <laughs> and. Yeah, and I had to kind of buy everything whilst I was out there. So that's probably the only... Gosh. It wasn't terrible, but yeah. Yeah, I was caught out. <laughs> Is stuff really expensive out there? It's quite expensive, actually. Right. Yeah. Um, luckily, when we flew over to Sydney, my cousin was living out there at the time, and he worked in this like retail store. Okay. So he gave me loads of stuff for super cheap. So that was like... Right. That kind of helped me out, but... <laughs> yeah, still. Oh, not ideal. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. I was like... Trying to just think as well, I've, I I couldn't place what my worst one was, but you, Zalika Talib, talking about that trip has jogged a memory of one of mine that I think probably would be my worst. I was on like a big trip, so it's a trip within a trip. Um, I was doing Cambodia and Laos, and um, when we got to Cambodia, when we were in like the, the main city, um, I don't know what happened, but I got so, so unwell, and not like food poisoning or, or anything else like that. I was, um, I mean, I won't go into detail, um, but I was <laughs> like very feverish. I felt very unwell, but nothing was happening. Mm. Um, and I fully had to stay in my room for about two days. And every now and again, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and eat, you know, some plain rice or something. And I'd have to go straight back oh. to where we were staying. I managed to get around um, the, oh, I forgot what they're called, the, the, um, the, big in Siem Reap the big uh, ruins oh I've completely forgotten anyway a full day trip around like some incredible a, a massive area of ruins um, and temples I managed to do that but I just felt so unwell the whole time and I can't really remember very much of it because I was just feverish so only bad because I couldn't experience it properly and I wish I hadn't got so ill so yeah it does suck being ill on holiday mm -hmm. it happens to me quite a lot oh, no. I don't really know what it is I'm not very good at with like heat or humidity or sunlight <laughs> as well <laughs> I, I'm a cold holiday yeah. person yeah. Um, so I mean I want to start mm. off really by focusing on Amy you being mm. a, a flight attendant that's amazing um, what was it about traveling or about being a flight attendant that that made you want to make that your career because I mean it's not one that you just choose lightly is it yeah I mean it's, it's so random how it happened I mean it was never something that I kind of wanted to always do or thought about going down that kind of path but I used to work for Apple before I was a flight attendant and 
I had two really good friends at the time, and one of them was going to work on cruise ships that go around like the Caribbean, like everywhere. They use like five star cruise ships, and the other was moving to Australia. And I was like, come on, Ames, like, you've got to get out and do something. And a few days later, I remember selling an Apple Watch to a pilot. And I was asking him, oh, what do you do? And these like type of questions. And he's like, oh, I'm a pilot. And it just clicked after that. I went home. I was like, mum, I'm going to apply to be cabin crew. And she was like, why? And I was like, I just like wanted to change and really wanted to go and see the world at like a young age. And that was it. And I applied that evening and then had an interview maybe two weeks later. And then she went from there, and here I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was very strange, but... So can I ask a question? Like, how... Yeah. In, in what's... <laughs> like, when you went for the interview, mm-hmm. what was that like? Like, how do they... How do they... What's the criteria? It was quite funny, actually, because when I looked online, it's it didn't have... You didn't have to study anything specific, which a lot of people think you do okay. to kind of go down this path, but... Um, I had the qualifications that they wanted. It was just normal English and maths. Mm. And then all I had to bring to the interview, I think it was a copy of like my passport. And I remember it was out of date at the time, <laughs> but I didn't realise so because I hadn't travelled in forever. So I went there and they said, oh, we're not going to be able to carry on the interview. You haven't, your passport's out of date. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And they said, and then I basically begged the lady at the desk. I was like, I travelled so far. It was a lie. (laughs) (laughs) An hour down the road. But I was like, and it was like seven in the morning, which was a really early interview. So I was like, I've been up all night, like, please. And she was like, went to speak to someone else. And she came back, if we take you on further, you really need to kind of sort it out. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And it was good. I mean, the interview was like full of 80 odd people in there. So it was a big kind of group. And they put you into like groups of 15 and I think they kept 12 of us at the second part, and then two of us got the job at the end of it. Wow, so, wow. Yeah. Selection process. Yeah, yeah, it was really mm. kind of tough, but good, I guess. Yeah, yeah. well done. Thank you. Thank you. So you must get to go to a lot of places, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, do you have, like, a favourite place that you like to travel to when you're put on mm-hmm. a certain flight? I'm not entirely sure how it works but yeah um I mean well we can request where we fly to so we have what we call like a bidding system and you go in and put your highest bids for like and we get a lot of new routes so last year I think it was this time last year we just recently like got the Bahamas on there so you can imagine everyone bids for these trips but I think my favorite route changes like every six months so I I'll spend maybe like three months doing the whole of the west coast so I'll do like lots of Las Vegas's or Los Angeles back to back and then I'll kind of get sick of it and then want to do like South Korea for the next three months so it's I don't really have a favorite I just mm. no, I really like India actually India was one I've only been there twice though um it's quite a hard flight but we only got 24 hours there so oh. I'm going back next month uh so yeah, I think that's probably my favourite at the minute. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. What about you guys, Josephine and Zulika? When you're like thinking about going on a holiday or trying to plan a trip, is there anything that you take into account when you're trying to decide or is it just you go, oh, somebody mentioned that they want to go here. Let's go here. I'm actually going away next week. I'm flying to San Diego next week. Oh, um, for San Comic-Con. Diego. No, for <laughs> 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 Listeners, the look that Josephine just gave to Lika was, uh, was one of, of major shock shade. and disgust. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what's coming from. Um, no, not, not for Comic Con. Um, I'm going on a, like a kind of like, um, like personal development retreat. Um, so the reason I'm out there, that, that was actually chosen for that. Like I'm going there for a reason. Um, 
but I guess when I I travel solo quite a bit I quite enjoy it Um, and so like the cruise trip I mentioned uh, that was solo but that was I actually flew to Cuba which was brilliant and I should have just stayed on land in Cuba Mm. Um, but I guess when I decide to go somewhere it depends there's there's a list of places that I've always like had a desire to see so like um, there were probably about 15 places in the States which I've all just ticked off like over the years and the only Grand Canyons left. But I guess when I decide I want to go somewhere, it's I'm um, thinking, you know, what is there to see? Is it the culture? Do I just want to kind of like just soak up the vibe and stuff like that? Um, yeah, it kind of depends really. I never use guidebooks. I just oh. kind of go there and just, because I find guidebooks stress me out. Because imagine a guidebook to London, you've got to see Big Ben, you've got to see this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. too much. When really, actually, you can get, I feel, you can get more of a sense of a place, like when you're just out and about, like in an area, you oh, know, it just feels a bit more kind of organic. I don't mm-hmm. think you'd like going on holiday with me. Oh, are you? <laughs> I'm a planner. <laughs> I'm a Google Doc, pins on the map. Oh, really? Yeah, this is what we're doing today. I, don't, I can do some flexibility, but... <laughs> I like to plan. <laughs> I think I like the highlights. I like to know like the highlights, like what's good to see. But I think I just like to meander. Right. I just like to kind of meander and see, mm-hmm. see where it takes me. Really. Oh well, I like. I think I'm a bit of a combination of you and B because I do definitely like a plan, really like a plan. But I also like an an exploration. So say if there's a certain area and then that has a landmark and then around that oh like what's what, what are the shops what's going on oh, there's a little craft fair oh this is cute oh that's you know that's happening um travel for me is a bit of a tricky one i am not a light packer <laughs> really not a light packer um i believe the word high maintenance have been used the <laughs> um i like to and i really like to plan for every eventuality so i will literally bring a first aid kit um <laughs> Sewing kit, like everything. And you know what? It's always what people always laugh at me and then they need it. Mm, and then they point. need it. And then I'm like, you know, giving them giving them the, the stank eye. <laughs> it's happened on every single holiday I've been on. Um, but yeah, like places that I've really wanted to go. Um, Japan is number one on my list at the moment. I have never been too fussed about lots of places that people are really into going to, like Thailand or... Um, or even really India, but I definitely, I need to see Japan. I need to go to Romania, um, Finland, cold countries. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, Finland. Finland. We'll go to Lapland. This doesn't Same. exist, really, does it? No, sort of. Well, sort of. <laughs> kind of. We'll make yeah, it. Kind we'll of. pretend. <laughs> yeah. um, that's an interesting thing, actually, Josephine. You mentioned traveling solo mm. and going places on your own. Mm-hmm. Do you do that a lot? And why? Why do you think? Why do you like? Why do you enjoy it? I think there's there's pros and cons. I think the benefit the benefits of it are I can be like, okay, I want to go here, and then I'll just book it and I go. There's no like you know trying to enlist friends and do you want to do this and do you want to do that. Mm-hmm. And even if they do want to do the same thing, when you get there. You know, they might want to see X and you want to see Y. So I think the beauty of traveling solo is that you can just be totally selfish and you can just be completely, it's a completely autonomous thing. And because of that, it's quite liberating, actually. Like, you know, I'm going to San Diego on my own. Um, I'm going to retreat, but that's not till like the third day I'm there. So I'm going to spend about three days on my own in San Diego. And I think when I land, I'm just going to feel like, oh, like I'm on my own in this completely new place and... 
I love that feeling, actually. Um, it can get a bit lonely traveling solo, but I don't know. I think it's, I, it's very liberating. I've often found it very liberating. I think it's quite character building as well. I mean, you, when you have to kind of navigate and, and find your way somewhere. I mean, in the States, it's, you know, it's easier, obviously, same language. But when I, I went to South Korea, I mean, to be fair, that was for work. But when I landed there, again, the first couple of days I was by myself, and then again, having to navigate... Like you feel quite proud after that you've like you know managed it was impressive. to. Yeah, yeah I, I was I was quite proud, you know, and you know it's just I think it's character building having to kind of rely on yourself and, mm. you know, protect yourself and and be safe and and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Amy, when you go traveling and you like stop off, are there other flight attendants with you as well? You can go around, or do you find yourself alone in places? As yeah, well? I mean it depends most places really because whenever we fly, there's about on a long-haul aircraft there's about 12 to maybe 14 of us so normally there's one or two people that want to get out and explore but I've done trips before where no one's left the hotel and I've been dying to go there and I'm like oh my god I want to do this this and this so you kind of have to make a plan and go and do it yourself and I think at first it was a bit oh I'm on my own and now I just I love it to be honest like I said I, I was also in South Korea maybe two months ago I ended up I don't know how at this festival with like two other girls um and it was like really good. And then the next day, no one left the, the, the hotel. So I went out and I went to like the center of town, went shopping and just had a great time. I was on my own, went for a Korean barbecue and it was like the best experience ever. I mean, it's quite sad because no one's there to like take your Instagram pictures, but <laughs> it was good. <laughs> it was fun. You just get yourself a soft time. Yeah. yeah. I know people are going to get off the clickers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My partner went away actually and he was, um, he was in New York for a few weeks. And he just got like he's totally shameless. He just got people to like take pictures of him. That would be me. <laughs> Sounds like me. Yeah. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, just people will always take your photos. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I feel like travel is fantastic. We love traveling. There is also many sides that we can talk about. The dark side of traveling. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on was, um. Just in terms of how we can go about making our travels sustainable, because sustainability, environment, the hot topics of the of the current week, especially at the time mm-hmm. of recording, mm-hmm. there's lots of extinction rebellion things going on, and people, it's on everyone's lips at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to know what you guys thought about whether we have a responsibility to make our tourism more sustainable and that's just in terms of whether we take trains places or you know when it comes to actually going to the places making sure that we respect the culture um and what do you guys think about that can i speak to that so um i was thinking about this in terms of what they used to do in the in the 1800s um (laughs) Because I know I, I think it's one of, it's one of the things that I think actually we need to kind of bring back is this idea of like a grand tour. Mm. So people used to do the grand tour and they would pack for months on end and they would take a you know a boat or trains to Europe and they would like go to Europe or go you know they would do a grand tour of all the major cities of the world. And um, I think because of the convenience of traveling and the convenience of flying and stuff, we've kind of lost that sense of adventure of. I'm going traveling. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be away for a long time. And the the journey is actually part of it rather than just the getting there bit. Mm-hmm. So even though obviously not everything from the 1800s is you know, <laughs> the best, the best um, 
patent or whatever you know template for what we should be doing i think i think that's i think that's something that we could be doing perhaps to mm. help the environment yeah that's true i must say i well one of the biggest holidays i ever went on like personally um was a couple of years ago when i did a massive interrail trip so interrailing um at the moment you can buy this pass um and it's so cheap and you get basically if you choose the right option you can have like 14 days um any train within Europe or within the the countries in the EU I think in the interrail scheme you just hop on you hop off there I think we did it so you had to travel on certain days but like you mm. plan it out and you I think we went away for you know a month or so mm. and you literally are just hopping about you've got your big backpack on and you're like okay today we're going to go to Prague for a, a couple of days and today we're going to go here and here and here um, and it was quite I mean that was the most I guess like liberating a trip that I've done because I don't I can't travel solo I've really want to it's on my bucket list it's on my bucket list um but that was the most kind of like relaxed I've been on a trip in terms of just doing whatever it is and and it was because I had that massive amount of time and the trains that I could just do whatever I liked which is nice I think um in terms of sustainable it's difficult I think the moment you go long haul because other than a plane how are you going to get there you know so I think it's something, because I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, unless you kind of stay in England or maybe like you say in Europe and, you know, get there by train, the minute you get on a plane, like you are kind of contributing to that impact on, mm. on the environment. So, so what can you do? And it's a mm. tough one. I don't know what the answer is to it. And also even like cruise ships, you mm. know, I mean, like I said, I've, I've been on one, I won't go again, but I'm sure, you know, they pollute the environment quite a lot as well. Mm. Yeah. So short of actually not going anywhere, mm. I'm not sure what you can do. But I guess there's things you can do once you are there, you know, like not littering, respecting the environment, respecting the culture. Mm -hmm. You know, those are things that you can contribute to, definitely. Those are things you can have an impact on. Yeah, mm -hmm. I hear people mm -hmm. have, they like call for um, long haul flights to have like a long haul flight tax on it. And I just think, okay, that's, so we're just going to, make travel only for the rich then that's yeah. fun that's great <laughs> yeah go back to the 1800s yeah, in that respect exactly. and yeah. okay cool so everyone else can just stay at home fantastic mm. um another i mean the bumper trips and and giant trips and respecting culture linking those two things together um an unfortunate trend that has cropped up in recent years that i wanted to have hear your guys' opinions on um, is the trend of bag packing. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but it's a trend of um, white, mostly white tourists um, going on these big find yourself gap year trips and they go backpacking and uh, a lot of the time it's around East Asia um, and they then sit on the main strip with a little card that says oh I need to continue my journey I've run out of money can you please give me some money sometimes they're doing you know singing or doing tricks or whatever it is most of the time though they're just sitting there and just going and why give me money um what do you think about that <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm sh I'm I'm sure I'm not gonna get very many positive responses but let's hear it go on <laughs> where to start where does one even start yeah. on, on something that's just so disgraceful yeah I mean, I mean, have you seen this? Yeah, and I, I, it's quite hard for me to understand. And I mean, I mean, we've all had times when we've had no money and stuff like that. But I think the fact that you've actually, you knew what you're getting yourself into plan planning and going on these holidays, and 
kind of like from personal experience, I'd make sure I've got some sort of backup or mm. someone at home that could at least, you know, support me if I got into that type of of urgency. But I mean, it's I, I hate the word, but it's quite embarrassing, really, to to see people doing it, and especially mm. countries like that because you see people on the street that actually do need the money, you mm. know, and they're actually really struggling. And then when you see someone like that because they've spent all their money maybe on alcohol or doing stupid things, it really, it's horrible to see because, yeah, and it, I think, especially the locals, they must just feel disrespected by it as well because they've come to see their country and that's what they're ending up doing there. And it's just, mm. yeah, it doesn't make any sense in my head, really. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a complete arrogance, a complete disregard for the fact that to beg you know, would be someone's last recourse, you know, someone who is begging because they haven't eaten in a week or because mm-hmm. their children haven't eaten in a week, yeah. you know, because they are destitute. So to beg because you just spent all your money on one too many drinks and now you can't afford the flight from, I don't know, Australia to Bali is a complete insult to to people who are doing this because they have no other option. Mm. And it just, it shows a complete, the fact that you're living in such a bubble where you think that's probably funny and cool or like a story for Instagram, or where you have no concept of the fact that this is actually an insult to the country that you're in, an insult to the people who need the money, because for every dollar or whatever someone might give you, that's a dollar less than they would have given someone mm-hmm. who actually really needs yeah, it. True. So it's it's just, yeah. When I heard about it, I was completely shocked. Completely shocked. I can only echo. <laughs> I can only echo that. I mean, aside from that, I think there's a really interesting. Um, we really have to kind of explore the type of person that would do this. Mm-hmm. Like you know, as as you said, B. Like there's a very specific type of person that is that are you know that is yeah, going and doing yeah, this. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can't we can't escape that it's you know usually like middle class white, very entitled people doing this kind of thing and in in that in that sphere anyway there's a lot of um like I don't know bad press about taking a gap year because of that and I think you know people who take gap years get a lot of bad press because as soon as you say I took a gap year gap year people can a lot of the time assume that you did go to Asia and just like bum around for a while and like work in a tiki bar and like bum off the locals and stuff like that. And I think that's part of the problem of people who really have an, in, like yourself, Amy, who mm-hmm. really have an interest in mm-hmm. travel and are going there to respect the cultures and learn and stuff like that. And then you're lumped in with people yeah. who are being crap, basically. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Because I think it shows, I mean, I imagine, I, I, I'm assuming, but I, I've, n- I've met you all of, you know, 30 <laughs> minutes, but I imagine that you're very respectful of all the places that you go. And it's it's telling, you know, that somebody like you who goes to so many places mm-hmm. is able to respect each and every one of those places. It mm-hmm. is possible. And yeah. then you've got people who go to just one place and can't even be bothered to learn how to say hello mm-hmm. yeah, uh, in the language and, and then want to go and, yeah, kind of disrespect the culture and the locals and whatever it is. It's kind of, yeah, it's very telling. Yeah. As you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, you can look out for them in your next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, but you see them though, and it's it's really eye opening as well because especially like we said, like Thailand is probably like one of the main um, attractions. I only had what, like two days there, and I took my partner with me, and even he was like, "This is crazy!" Like it was never, and it almost kind of ruins the culture in the sense mm. that there's so many people there, and not just bedpacking, but in terms of like alcohol and drinking and stuff mm. like that, it's 
so big now it's like it's just people just go there to drink and to mm. party and it's mm. kind of lost the whole travel aspect it's mm. more like just a party and a, a getaway and it's it's quite mm. sad to see really right. mm. yeah i remember when i w- when i was going around europe um obviously you've got the main like stag do locations so usually it's prague um or budapest a lot but then we went to kind of wanted to go to places that we wouldn't go to that we might not go to for a standalone holiday so we were like okay why not just go to as many of the other little places that we can find and so many of them we would get there and we like the locals would be saying you know oh gosh yeah well the the stag dudes are starting to realize now that here is even cheaper than those places and there are less other stag dudes so they're kind of infiltrating and i was like how many how many stag do's are there? They seem to multiply. Every, like, how is there enough to then also fill this new country every single time people go and 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 they just act abhorrently? Mm-hmm. They find it weird. I'm like, just if you're gonna do, just stay where you. Where do you? If you <laughs> just stay where you live and yeah. and be horrible. Well, don't be horrible there, but. Why do you feel the need to inflict it on other people? I don't understand. I think they don't think it's an infliction. I think Mm. that's part of the problem, is that there's, like, that that peak arrogance of, like, yeah, well, why doesn't... I know a few people... I used to work for a recruitment company that um, sent a lot of people to the Middle East for, like, nurses and engineers and stuff like that. And whenever some of our, our recruiters went, had to go to, say, Dubai or Riyadh or whatever, they would always complain oh, it's dry, oh, I can't drink. <laughs> it's just like, suck it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my God, can you re- can you really it. not get through an entire day without a pint? Is your life that bad? <laughs> <laughs> For real. Like, what is going... Like, you need to look at what is going on in your life that you can't get through the day without booze, to be honest. That's really yeah, bad. Or get drunk to the extent I mean, that they do. I mean, I've never been yeah. to, like, I don't know, like, Ibiza or, like, any of, any of those sort of, like, drunken holiday places. But, like, I've seen the documentaries and I think, oh, I can't I think of anything worse. <laughs> Same. Same. Anything worse. <laughs> it's just as horrific, you know? Like, I like a drink, you know, as much as the next person, but I don't think you need to go on a plane to get off your face and not remember your night, you could do that back home. Like, why go <laughs> there? much cheaper. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Maybe no, not in London, but... I had a great time in Ibiza. I can't remember any of it. Like, I don't really like drinking on holiday, like, drinking a lot. Mm. Like, going out in the evenings. Like, I don't really like it. I think it's part... It is part, kind of, me thinking, oh, I don't want to be one of those people who's going out and clubbing and being a, a nuisance not that I think I would be a nuisance but and then I also I just get nervous drinking somewhere that I don't know mm-hmm. and I have that anywhere like even if I go out to a new place in London that I've never been to before I kind of really want to know like that I know how to get home and I know mm-hmm. all of this sort of stuff but yeah so I would I don't think I would ever go to Zanti or <laughs> <don't even>, whatever <laughs> um I was wanted to know what you guys thought about traveling and if you think that travelling is accessible, and if not, how we can make it more accessible. And I mean this in any way that you choose to interpret it. But obviously, um, a lot of people uh, feel like they have to think more carefully about um, where they're travelling in terms of maybe they think they won't be as accepted in certain places for a variety of reasons, gender, sex, sexuality, race. Um, But then also in terms of um, kind of disabilities and places that you can getting on and off trains or planes or yeah what do you think 
excavation. I, I remember actually when I was in sixth form, I didn't go on this trip, but my um, our history class, we went on a trip to, they went on a trip to Prague, I didn't go. And there was one Indian girl in our class, um, or Sri Lankan, um, and apparently the teachers, they were going to Prague, and apparently the teacher said to her, he actually kind of, she told me this, she said he, he, he sort of braced her beforehand that, look, you know, in Prague, people can be a bit, I don't know, intolerant or whatever the word was, or he, he, he basically prepared her for maybe just, how can I put it? He just prepared her that, they, you know, she was going somewhere that maybe wasn't as receptive to different um, ethnicities. And this was like, this was when I was in sixth form, this is, you know, a long time ago. And I always remember thinking, okay, I don't know, it was weird that he said that. I don't know, I, I never, I'm not sure if he kind of did her a favour by that or just kind of scared her for no reason. But I guess at that age, I was probably 16 at the time, it kind of stuck into my head the idea that, oh, there's some places you can go to and you might not be well received, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. I've never been to Prague. Um, and I've I've never been on holiday and felt like, oh, you know, or had any kind of bad reaction, but it has been in my mind. I remember when I went to Korea, South Korea, and I thought, oh, okay, like, I'm going to an Asian country as a black woman traveling on her own. Like, there is a kind of, like, anxiety. I mean, it was fine, <laughs> but there is a kind of, like, oh, okay, I'm interested as to how this might play out, which is a shame, actually. It's a shame that you kind of, you have that thought process, but I, you know, I do have it sometimes. Mm. So. Yeah, I guess it definitely helps to, to kind of do your little research before you go. I mean, not massively, but kind of know what you might be getting yourself into, a little bit of background on the place as well. But I think, I don't think it should really stop a lot of people from going there. Um, yeah, and I mean, personally for me, which is it's quite a few years ago now, but growing up, I lived in Italy for about three years and I went to school there. But my mum being black and my dad being white, it was it was very strange. And as a kid, I'd see the difference of when I'd go out with my dad and then when I'd go like, down the road with my mum. And it was, it, it was quite, like, as a young kid, I didn't really understand it at first, but now growing up and travelling and seeing these things, like going to China and, like you say, South Korea and exploring these places on your own, you do kind of realise that, oh, I, I do really stand out here. and it's But it's good in a way that it opens your mind and it makes you think about these type of things because I think a lot of people may not, especially people that don't travel or that are looking to travel but haven't travelled before, it might not be something that they've really thought about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't think it should stop anyone, but just do your research maybe. <laughs> I think there's definitely... I mean, as somebody who's, like, technically disabled... It's definitely considerations that I have to have, like, for example, taking my pills in my hand luggage. Like, I always do that. And then they're like, what is this for? And I have to bring out all my, like, I have to bring my prescriptions with me just in case. Um, And I'm somebody who's relatively, like, able-bodied. But sometimes, like, I can't necessarily navigate steps the same, like, I'm a bit slower or whatever. And I often think about travel for people who have more severe mobility issues than me or people who are, say, um, you know, not neurotypical and like they need they need earplugs or something to be on an airplane. Like how do blind people cope? It's all just such a I do think that as much as we are now talking about we're having these discussions now, I think that 
more steps do need to be taken to to make things easier because there's just an assumption that everyone has the same level of ability and you don't I mean even like for this is a massive thing even for people who have bigger bodies who are fat having to buy two airplane seats or um you know getting like just massive amounts of discrimination when they're away or when they're on the beach or whatever like this is this is not necessarily you could say oh yeah well then they shouldn't be fat um but the other side of that is that well you don't know why you don't know first Mm -hmm. of all you don't know why they're fat second of all like how is that your business um and third of all just because like regardless of the reason they're a person they deserve to be treated with like integrity and respect regardless and they deserve to have their levels of access met so it's just it's something that i always think about like those are the two issues that i that always really stick in my mind when we talk about accessibility and travel mm, absolutely i think I'd, i um when i go places um with my grandma which is not often but we do sometimes try and and get her um on on a trip with us but she has quite severe um arthritis mm. so um she's kind of um in a wheelchair a lot of the time or she's got a stick and it is a, you know a consideration that we have to take whenever we are traveling somewhere when it comes to the accessibility of the airports that we're going to mm. and it's always a worry of okay we've organized um I can't remember what it's called, but like this assistance through the airport. Mm. Is that actually going to happen? Is that uh, is somebody actually going to be there to meet us? Um, are we going to be able to get onto the airplane in the right way? Kind of all of this sort of stuff. And it just, every time it does, it's an extra level that you then have to really think about. And one thing I've been thinking about even more recently, which is, I mean, there's nothing really much that can be done about this, but my dad is hard of hearing um, and my parents live away in Italy for part of the year um, and he, he's the one who speaks the, the better Italian um, which is really really they've, they've worked out really well it's really great but obviously each time they go and kind of his hearing's a little bit worse and I suddenly was thinking like actually he's not really going to be able to go places much he would never be able to go somewhere on his own mm. um, because while he does still it, you know if you speak if you learn a couple of phrases which he's always encouraged us to do whenever we would go on a, away on a family holiday we'd be sitting in the like weeks before with the books and he's going testing us going okay how do you say thank you how do you say this <laughs> so cute it's very uh-huh. yeah <laughs> so that's always a now I'm it's a habit now that I do and I make whenever I go away with friends I'm like guys have we all learned the basic vocabulary <laughs> <Yeah>. okay cool <laughs> um but we would be doing that but then obviously you think about it obviously when that turn translates to lip reading it's not as easy mm, um yeah, and so he wouldn't really be able to to do that obviously that's not something that's to do with accessibility in other places or whatever but it's just something I've been thinking about which is yeah interesting working for an airline as well you do see that side of things I mean you see the the whole process of maybe someone with the with a disability or something but actually boarding the aircraft to leaving and sometimes it's really sad to see because there are some places that are so quick at maybe bringing wheelchair assistance or people like that but there's other places and I've landed back in Heathrow many times and we've had to wait on that aircraft for another 40 to 50 minutes just for someone to bring a wheelchair. And it is quite sad because they're still like the same as everyone else. They just need that assistance. Yeah. Um, but us as cabin crew as well, like it's really good because before these people even board the plane, we've all been made aware of it. So we kind of know our roles and maybe how we might have to, mm-hmm. especially like with hearing or people that are hard to see and stuff like that, we we've given that we've been given that training to 
kind of brief them and and do the different types of things that we can do to help them. So it's yeah, it's interesting. It's, mm. It's, mm. I think there's sorry, you no, no, I think there's invisible um, accessibility issues as well, like mm-hmm. mental health. Like yeah. I, I'm not the best flyer, um, and. And I, I, don't, I don't know what the solution to this would be, but you, you know, I think there's there's kind of you know you know anxiety, people that suffer from anxiety, like mental health things that you might not even see on a plane. Um, and I don't know what could be done to kind of as you, to sort of provide a solution to that, but I think that's an accessibility thing as well. I mean, I fly anyway because it's like well, I need to get somewhere, but I, it's you know I I'm already kind of feeling anxious about my trip next week because I'm because I do I don't always feel very comfortable on a plane, mm. um, but you know. What would I? There's, what mm. would I do about that? Nothing. There's, there's no kind of like, there's nothing put in place for that, and I understand that because it's, it's an invisible thing. And I, mm. you know, what would I say even if I were to say something to, yeah, to one of the attendants, you know? But I guess if there was that conversation, if mm-hmm. there was that kind of, um, that acknowledgement, maybe that, mm. yeah, a lot of people actually get pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, I always I I'm terrible at flying, absolutely terrible. Um, much better now, but um, and I will always, I always tell a flight attendant. Okay. Just in terms of like, it, it does mean that then uh, you, mm-hmm. they usually come back at some point during yeah. flying. Just go, is is everything okay? Um, but I find it interesting. Obviously, I assumed that you guys would have training in some sort of respect, yeah. but it does. There are some airlines. Um, <laughs> Where, where you'll go and you'll say and they're just like okay like, <laughs> <laughs> like all right like what do you want me to do because of that reaction that i'd yeah. be like oh i don't want to say it because they might look at me and mm. be like okay yeah, yeah like, you know <laughs> but i have had a lot of you know people who especially on long-haul flights um and you know you do get and sometimes it's even just a case of them being like do you want a drink and they're like <laughs> Yes, actually. Yes, yeah. I would like a drink. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, is it, do you notice that it's the people that seem the most anxious that get the most drunk on flights? Yes and no. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, having nearly three years experience, you do kind of tend to spot them out before they've said anything to you. And I mean, there are some people that will sit there dead quiet and they'll be lovely to you. And they might be suffering so much inside, but you would never know. But you can obviously doing it every week you can kind of pick out and there's little things that people might do or might say or it's even the eye contact they give you when you kind of walk through the aisle so I make it I mean in training they do kind of teach us how to deal with someone that might be having like an anxiety attack or something like that but they don't teach you how to be a nice person so it's just that (laughs) it's just kind of saying hi how are you like Mm. really kind of taking a moment to speak to people and kind of asking questions are you going on holiday how long are you going for and it all comes out from there I mean I've had people in tears like on a flight and I'm hugging them I don't even know the lady and it's it's really touching sometimes because it's like they might be on their own not everyone on a plane is going on holiday you know they might be going to a funeral they might be going to something that they might not want to be going and it's Mm. you do meet so many people that suffer from all different things so I think one of the key things of my job is to really I mean yeah get the job done but kind of take time especially on a long haul flight you've got 14 hours I mean what you, you can't really sit in the galley for that long you <laughs> <laughs> having a conversation with someone is it's good because you you learn a lot about people yeah. and pass well. the time yeah, yeah <laughs> nice. mm. well I think we're well we're nearing the end um but I wanted to know 
um, what you guys, I mean, we've spoken a lot about the kind of negative sides of things. Um, so I wanted to know what your favourite thing about travelling is. Um, and, you know, whether that be your favourite thing about holidays or your favourite thing about just going to a new place, what would you say it is? Food. <laughs> food. Yeah. <laughs> Straight away. <The> food. <laughs> it's one of them. Yeah. Um, what is it? The whole thing, really. For someone who doesn't plan much when they get there, like, I love the logistics involved of, like, you know, booking the ticket, getting to the airport on time, checking in. You know, I love all that stuff. And then you get on you the plane. You love checking in. No. I <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just... <laughs> no, I love all the, like, the planning... I out for a minute. I was like, what? <laughs> all the planning and organisation involved, like, getting from A to B, like, you know, booking... You know, I, I love all that. There's, there's yeah, a bit of a control freak. I love all that kind of aspects and stuff, of stuff. And then you get on the plane, and it's like, okay, I'm actually doing this. And then you take off, and it's like, yeah. And then you get there, and it's... You're just out of your life for a bit, mm. you know? It's an escapism thing. It's like you're somewhere new for, for a period of time and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a tonic. I, I find it just very, um, yeah, liberating and just a change. It's a nice change. Mm. This is going to sound really strange. My favourite bit is when we're 40,000 feet above the ground and you could be anywhere and nowhere. You could be anyone and no one. You're actually, in that point in time, you are suspended in animation. Like you are not, you could not exist. And that's like a beautiful kind of, I don't know, it's a really beautiful style. I just find that that part of it is so peaceful. That's my favourite part of going on holiday. I don't even really think I care. Like obviously I do care. <laughs> I do care, otherwise I won't, buy, won't be going. But um, I definitely, love that part the most of like being above the clouds or you know at night time when you're flying over countries mm. and you see all the little lights and you think wow yeah. like there are so many people down there living their own individual lives and I'm up here living my individual life and somehow we all manage to run concurrently with our lives in this big world that's my favorite part of it nice mm. yeah that's, that's very cool. deep I like I touch can, I can yeah. <laughs> high maintenance but deep I love that I love that um yeah, I, I think mine's maybe a bit of a weird one as well, but my favourite part of travelling is, is coming home. <laughs> and not in a sense of leaving the place, um, but I I am, I don't really, I get very anxious when I travel. I haven't really spoken about it very much, but um, I get very anxious travelling in general. Even every, every single time I've gone on a holiday, um, I have not wanted to go the night before mm. and felt homesick. Even if I'm with my family, I'll feel homesick for the first night or the first day. Don't know what it is. I think I'm just, I am such a homebody. Um, I like knowing, and I think it's you know, maybe boring, but I do go on holidays. But I, my favourite thing is when you've had your fill and you've really enjoyed, you've had a fantastic time, really enjoyed yourself. And then being able actually to come back and really appreciate again mm. all of mm. the nice, like home and you come in and you smell and you're like, mm, that's so, oh. Yeah. You lie in your bed and yeah. you unpack and you think, oh, so nice. Yeah, it just yeah. Re revigorates you. I know people yeah. get post-holiday blues. I've never experienced that. No. I'm always like, <laughs> yes, I'm back. I, I, there, you're, there is something really grounding about landing in Heathrow, like all Stansted or whatever, but when we're actually just back on the home soil, even if I've had a brilliant time, there's just something so like, 
mm, just yeah. delicious about mm. being back in home. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I can hear that. And it must be even more so for you, Amy. Obviously, oh, yeah. you're, <laughs> you're, you're you're working, so There's nothing you better than hearing. And, Hearing cabin crew that's 40 or 20 minutes to land in, it's like the best thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this for like 12 oh, hours. Oh, but no, it's good. It, and I think with travelling as well, what I do really like, it really makes you appreciate things. And it's not saying I didn't appreciate things before, but even like, for example, I live in Milton Keynes, but my partner lives down here in London. It makes you want to get out and do things and see things that you might not want to go and normally see. It's really mm-hmm. weird. and. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it as well is like taking when I get to take my mum with me or I take my partner away, mm. it's kind of like you're not showing off, but it's like, oh, I really want to show you what I've done or where I've been. And I love it. Yeah, it's, mm. it does make you appreciate like what, what you've got. And mm. yeah, it's good. Um, very quickly before we sign off, one last question, but just for Amy. Mm. Um, what would you say is one tip for somebody listening mm-hmm. who wants to be a flight attendant? Just go for it. I know that sounds very kind of like serious but a lot of people message me and ask me loads of questions about it and what do I need to study or what do I need to and I mean like me for example I didn't know anything about it I probably didn't know anything about the airline when I even got to the interview I was like googling on my phone (laughs) all the latest news about British Airways and I was just but I mean it's just go for it and the worst I mean as sad as it is the worst that can happen is you won't get the job and you can apply again in six months and just Mm -hmm. keep trying you know read about it have a look at stuff on YouTube but don't kind of just just go and apply and yeah it's really good you'll love it amazing well thank you so much thank, thank you. you so much amy yeah. our special guest you've given us kind of a behind the scenes insight into <laughs> which is nice thank but you. also obviously as well thank you to josephine and zilika um and thank you f- to you for listening um we hope you've enjoyed this episode don't forget as always there are so many amazing episodes if this is the first one you've listened to you can go back you can listen to heaps of other episodes some great topics even more lovely ladies talking about great things um and make sure that you hit up the socials at women of power uk because we're always posting about the podcast but also events and other things other great content that you can sink your teeth into so make sure that you do that and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the conversation we'll be back with you very very shortly so it's goodbye from me and from my lovely guests Bye. bye